So you have a podcast and you have passive listeners, but did you know there's a way to create a community of engaged listeners that you can actually convert to leads and paying clients? So why not learn from the best, Chris Kremitzos, who has created a podcast family with PodFest and has seen firsthand how podcasters create success using the power of a community. And of course, his podcast is my absolute favorite resource to go to and should be for all podcasters. Howdy, welcome to the Leverage Your Podcast Show. I'm your host, Lindsay Phillips of smoothbusinesspodcasting.com. My goal is to help you leverage podcasting to skyrocket your visibility, authority, and business by sharing insider secrets from podcast industry experts who have created a successful business through podcasting. So let's take a listen to our chat. Hey, Chris, it's so good to see your face again. I haven't seen you in a really long time (laughs) since being in person, I think, at PodFest. And of course, at uh, the virtual PodFest last summer or the summer before. Um, So yeah, so great to see you. So obviously, you have an amazing community that you have grown with PodFest and a PodFam and in your Facebook group. So definitely want to tap into your expertise and your experience on how you created a community to grow podcasts and helping other podcasters kind of figure that out and dial it in so that they can grow their own community, but even like leverage other communities so that you can grow. There's, I guess, two sides of the community building (laughs) that you can take advantage of. Um, So why don't you tell me first how you started PodFast and PodFam and your Facebook group and kind of like how that's grown and helped you. So before I got into PodFest, I did have a community uh, that had built for business owners. That's right. And then I uh, had a meetup and one of the meetups was about podcasting. It was 2013. And I, I, before that I I had a background in TV and media. I used to produce uh, two TV shows and I loved media. I always loved everything about it. So that little meetup grew to two workshops. Those two workshops then turned into PodFest. And then in 2015, from the first PodFest to where we are now, we kept doubling in size in 2020. We had the last PodFest uh, expo in person uh, we had over 2,000 attendees, but since then we've done a smaller event, PodFest Origins, and next year we're excited to get back at it. But everything's yeah. hybridized, and it's been really interesting to see how we've been able to keep the community intact through either online, offline, and using tools like a newsletter, a yeah. podcast, and all these these things that we preach, but we're using them actively, uh, keeping the community connected. I love that. And I like when we first went, or you went virtual from being, you know, live uh, PodFest, I was kind of like, how is he going to kind of keep that element of community? Because when I went to your event, it was such a close knit group and people don't quite get it, I think, until they're there. Like people go to conferences and, but you just feel like this little person that's around a bazillion people. But when you're there, it's like, there's no competition. Everyone is like super helpful, really like you do meet so many amazing people. It's just a different vibe. Um, So share how you like brought that into the virtual world, because I think people can really gain some insight into that. 
So the community of PodFest is really, um, we is culture driven in that where we do consider ourselves a family, we do support one another. And um, in person, you feel it, right? So yeah. like you said, how do you transfer that to virtual? So we had to ask ourselves a couple of things. What tools do we have at our disposal that can help mimic um, a conference? And what can we really adapt that would be really good? So the first thing that we did, we were very fortunate. We were already using an app called Whova, W-H-O-V-A. They cool. gamify interaction. So our community knew that app because that's what we used for in-person. That app helped us. But then we said, okay, virtual is different than in person. So what can we do? So we limited our presentations to 20 minutes of content, 10 minutes of Q&A. Instead of creating breaks, because in person you have to have breaks because right. people have to literally get up off their seat and go to the next room or they change out. So virtually we didn't create breaks on purpose. So that way we could keep the same group in the same track if they chose to, so they could then communicate in chat. So it's it was, you had to really intentionally think through how are you gonna connect people? And then we kept a lot of like, we do a gratitude ceremony. So we'd have that going on virtually and we give everybody a space. Um, and then we give a lot of prizes to create interactivity. So that really helped our community translate. Mm -hmm. And the feedback we got is they enjoyed it just as much as the in-person event. And I think also remember there was no, in the, in the heat of COVID, there was no other option yeah. but virtual. So that was a, in a way that was a good thing for the virtual side because there was less distractions because people were literally looking at their computer all day. So we were able to really make it a more fun experience than other things that they were experiencing at the time. That's so true. And it was wildly successful. Like I met so many people and the amount of chats and the conversations going back and forth was amazing. We, now, we won an award from the app because they uh, yeah. they couldn't believe the interaction that we were having. They were like, these are off the charts. Like usually you have 100,000 people to even match these numbers. And I we know. were in the thousands. So it was, it was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And I do want to touch upon um, how much you've grown your Facebook community. And of course, now you've got the newsletter. So can you touch upon, I guess, in helping podcasters, like how can they build a community to help them grow their podcast? And what does that even mean? And like, what elements are part of that? Yeah, so let's just deconstruct that uh, for a bit. That's a great question. Uh, if you have a podcast, that means you have a show that you communicate to people and you are an individual that's communicating to people that you might know or don't know because they might not be raising their hand saying, I'm listening. Mm -hmm. um, however, that audience is there and it's a passive, usually passive listening audience unless you're live streaming it and you could see them and chatting. Uh, so in order to transfer that and make it into a community, you either need some kind of group mechanism Facebook, uh, Telegram and Discord, we're seeing huge uh, growth mm -hmm. in that area uh, because people want groups and they don't necessarily want to be on Facebook. Like a lot of things are shifting in the online yeah. space. So we're watching that across the spectrum. So now let's say we get people to identify that they're a fan and they want to join that group. Um, in the beginning, you, the influencer, the podcaster, you're doing a lot of work keeping that group active. And it's difficult because it's all you. Yeah. The key is how do you identify thought leaders or what I like to call pillars of your community that you could give some of that authority over to, to help you uh, create interactions because a group is not you talking to many. It's yeah. a group of people interacting and you might be the leader in the moment, but over time you want to be able to fall asleep and not check on the group for a day. And you're seeing that the community is helping one another. And that's nice. the mark of a really great community. So now you've transcended 
you to passively speaking to now you have an active group that's helping one in, one another. It's almost going from 2D to 3D. Ooh, that's a good analogy. <laughs> but yeah, that's true, right? And so how do you choose those pillars? And like, how do you make that happen? Kind of, I'm just having a hard time painting that picture. So I'll give you a couple of different, like actual hard examples instead of just uh, telling you, hey, they appear. When I used to do uh, TV on terrestrial um, live TV, we used to have call-ins. And this was back in the day when they still allowed live TV uh, call-ins. And every now and then we'd get some call-ins. We had one show called The Bleep and Truth and it was a political debate show. People would get really heated and they'd call in and ask really great questions. Uh, I remember one time, the one person was so passionate, his name was um, uh, Anthony Watley. I said, hey, you're so good. Why don't you come on the show? And we actually started inviting our call-in people to participate. And then we started recruiting volunteers from people watching the show. So that's that's a very simple way. So if you have people in the chat, if yeah. you're doing anything live streaming from time to time, they're like, hey, I love your stuff. I always check in. That's someone that's literally self-identifying that they love what you do. Mm. You should be inviting them to your group. Obviously, having a call to action uh, in whatever you're doing. For So for instance, when we send out an email, to, so people opt in to emails that we send out. Every mm. m Most people have an opt-in on something, right? Um, the PS line always says, hey, we'd love for you to join our group. So there's always a passive PS line, join the podcast community. So we want them to then say, hey, I want to be part of that group. And one person by one, they start joining in the group. And that's when you want to welcome them to the group. Maybe ask them. I, I'm a big... Um, and not a lot of people do this, but I'm a big proponent. If I could get someone on, on a 15 minute call to get to know them, it goes a long way. Yeah. So I'll do hundreds of those a year of wow. that uh, have self said, Hey, I'd love to talk to you. I don't, I don't really, I'm pretty, my, my schedule is pretty open to those people and calls. So that really helps us um, bring a larger pool of people that are active within the community. And that to me says that you're making it's not just passive i'm posting and I, I want people to ask questions it's you are taking a, investing your time and making that personal approach to connect with those people to help get that engagement is that what i'm hearing yeah and we're also listening to their feedback so when they see yeah. us implementing stuff that people we can't implement everything but we implement quite a bit so when they see that it's getting implemented they know that we're listening and that's a big deal for community members to know that there's uh, another human being on the other side that actually is caring enough to listen to what they have to say. Yeah. So you're almost um, recruiting ambassadors, if you will, to help kind of with that engagement, communicating with people, posting. Um, so it's not just you by yourself. That's correct. We, uh, we have a full team, but we used to do this uh, during my TV days. We had a full volunteer staff. They were happy to be part of it because it was fun. It was a show. And back then, I remember I used to write recommendation letters and I would laugh because I'm like, I wonder if this will go anywhere. And then people would thank me because they would get jobs in media um, because of my letter of recommendation. So you just never know how things work, but people love being part of a show being part of production. There's something yeah. there that a lot of people really enjoy. That's true. And you are very hands-on, especially with people that take part in PodFast. Like, I really thought you were going to be more like, you know, up here, like kind of overseeing some of the big pillars, but like you and especially Andrew on your team, like very hands-on. And I was pretty impressed. I love that about you. Well, we, we, I love doing the work. That's why I do this. So for yeah. me, 
the community is where I get my my kick, so to speak. So I I'm I'm all for like um, we have people that do different parts of it, but like the hard work of meeting people and getting to know them and helping them. That's what I that's why we do what we do. Yeah, I love it. Um, so if someone is creating their own community from their podcast to create engagement, do you have any tips on how they can help grow it and how they can um, grow the community, but also how to grow their business in using that community, like leveraging it? So it depends on how much goodwill they have between them and the listener. So right. some people have an immense amount of goodwill because they put so much into their podcast that people will respond when they ask. Other people are not just there yet. So they have to really build that trust. So it depends yeah. on what level. I'm going to give you one tip that I saw my wife two years ago, and I thought it was amazing. So she had done a podcast for like a year and a half and never asked for anything. She was just always giving. But when she did, when it came time for her to ask, she said, she had a, a Facebook group and there was a few hundred women in there. It was a business community for women. So it, it wasn't super active, but it was active enough. Um, but I remember she was trying to get more consulting. And the thing that she did that I thought worked really well, she said to her community, hey, I'm going to give away um, one 90-minute consulting session. If you'd like to be put into this drawing, you just need to do X, Y, Z. She had 36 people put into a drawing and she then picked a winner. The 35 people, she then emailed saying, I'm really sorry that you, you didn't win, but I'd love to see if I could help you. I'd like to schedule 15 or 20 minutes of your time. Of those people, I think 17 scheduled, nine of them became clients. So overnight, she built a consulting practice from giving of her time, yeah. but also giving away a 90-minute session. So there's a lot of people that wanted that session, but they had never come out to say, I wanted it. Totally. So it really helped spark the conversation. Then the free session, she recorded them and then asked the people if it was okay if she used one or two that were really good, and then that helped convert more clients. So that was a totally. relative building a business on the consultation side, but at the same time, they also became extremely active yeah. in our community moving forward. Talk about a win, win, win. <laughs> yeah, it was, awesome. that was a great, I thought that was a great promotion. That's an amazing strategy. That's really good. That's gold. Um, and so what kind of growth or changes have you seen with your podcast community and pod family that's in Facebook? I mean, people on there are crazy active and they're super helpful. Um, it's amazing to see. And so what has surprised you or what do you love about it? So I think for PodFest, our group is housed in Facebook and it's pretty popular. Um, what's really amazing is seeing how the community will help one another. So I don't get too involved anymore. And now we have admins that help in aggregating stuff, but it's really great to see how helpful people are. But here's what I notice: The people that have come to either a virtual event or an in-person event are the most active and they tend to answer for each other. In other words, I'll see like different, there's different schools of fish within our community. And when someone in a certain school asks a question, their people will come out to help them. And then sometimes someone from another group, uh, PodFest is a very big group uh, so very. To, to, to draw like a comparison. Like we have our B2B podcasters, we have our healthcare podcasters, we have our relationship podcasters, sports. So you could go down all these verticals. Different genres and Different genres and, and, and they all know each other in their own groups. And then there's some cross pollination, which is what we want. Um, so it's interesting to see the cross pollination of once one group helps that person within PodFest, other people will also get it and then they'll conversate. So it's been amazing to watch um, that stay active. And it tells us 
the strength of the brand that we've created that it's it's not only is it active it's growing um through this pandemic and it's actually getting stronger which is really nice to see I agree. And what do you see for the future of podcasting in regards to community? You touched upon Discord. So even touch upon that because some people aren't quite familiar with it. Yeah. So Discord is, uh, I believe, built off of Twitch or it was popular off of Twitch. It's built and owned by Amazon. Um, it's a gaming style community. It does better with the younger demographic. Mm -hmm. Older demographic likes Telegram. Um, which is a different kind of group. And then I know people know Slack channels. There's all yeah. these different things that people communicate with, but we're seeing a huge influx of people on either Telegram or Discord that didn't exist a few years back. Um, and there's different reasons why, but just so you know, that's a trend we're seeing. There's a thing called Mighty Networks that was doing okay, but um, that was more of like, you own it, you pay for it. But I, honestly, I see Discord and Telegram really owning the space. Yeah. Um, as far as the content creator, with all these technological progressions from the blockchain, there's a lot of new things where you could own uh, everything of your community and have full autonomy. So we're going to see that yeah. become a much larger part in the future. Uh, and the creator, as we move forward, will have more and more control over their community. Um, apart from third-party sources. So you can see a, a huge growth in that area. They call them DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. And that will allow people to create <laughs> their own communities yeah. off of these DAOs built off this blockchain technology. So that's going to be three to five years. You're going to see a lot of it in the next couple of years, but three to five years will be more popular. Yeah. And it's it's like you said, you you have more control over that community, which some people kind of like, have that love-hate relationship with Facebook in that regard. <laughs> well, we're, we're polling, uh, we, across the board, Facebook has lost affinity from all groups. Um, it's pretty unanimous because you'll yeah. hear it in interviews. It's pretty interesting. However, we're all still on Facebook. Most yeah. of us are still on Facebook and it's still very active. It's so, But it's just something to be mindful of to keep an eye out on these different yeah. platforms and what's going on. I don't think it's just yet like, hey, you should go. If you're in certain niches, like, People in crypto, they're all either in Discord or Telegram. For podcasters, we're still good, but there's other groups that you'll see yeah. forming. And over the next three, four years, you'll see you'll probably see transition fairly quickly. Yeah, I'm in Discord with um, Audia and Verbal, where you can publish your audio and podcasts and what have you. And so you can kind of connect with other podcasters um and people that are audio creators which i find kind of cool so still trying to you know get used to used to it and navigate those waters i'm still undecided on whether i quite like it or not yet <laughs> discord is rather uh telegram does better uh with uh, let's say you and i would be a better telegram user now i'm mm -hmm. not actively on either one to be yeah. quite honest with you but i follow like what people are because when i see it firsthand like hey we're on this we're on that totally but but Discord and Telegram come up now almost every week yeah. in conversation. It's it's interesting to see how much things have changed. I mean, even in the past like four years since I've started my podcast or you started PodFast, it's like, it just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, in 2015, 2013, when we did that first meetup, just the word podcasting had to be defined every time you start a conversation. And then you had to show people how, they would always ask, how much is it? And you tell them it's free. 
And then they say, where is it? And you'd say, do you have an iPhone? And back then, you know, 60% of people had one. Yeah. So here it is. And then they click on the thing and then all their phones would start playing some podcast that was on it. And uh, we'd have to show them, Hey, pause it. So we could start to keep teaching. But that was half of the, the training was like, what is a podcast? How do I access I it? And how much is it? And now it's like the podcast industry, you know, like myself who does production and promotion and so forth and like consultants and editors, like the field has just absolutely grown. Um, and I want to touch upon that because with your Facebook group, not only are there people that are podcasters in like all sorts of niches, but there are people and experts that are in the podcast industry that know all the nitty gritty and the tech and like how to promote it on Instagram or whatever. So like as a podcaster, it's such a great resource of like who to, you know, ask for advice or where do I go to, you know, I need an editor or I'm looking for guests or um, like what other things do you see pop up that your community really is used as a resource for new podcasters? So yeah, part of that is, um, hey, what do you think about this tool? Or I'm looking to change this peer to peer kind of asking questions is always a good thing. Uh, changing hosting companies, what do you think? Uh, the one thing that we're implementing for PodFest in person and, and virtual as well, when we do our event, one of the biggest questions is people need help with tech. So we're creating a whole experiential wing where you can bring your laptop and literally learn Adobe Premiere, uh, oh, wow. Audacity, OBS. So literally there's two people that I want to really help keep servicing. Beginners will need that help, but veterans will get stuck on certain tools. It could be yes. video editing, audio editing, and they already know the marketing stuff. So they could go into the experiential wing and like, hey, I'm stuck on this. And you could ask the expert in real time to fix stuff that you're having issues with. So we're always looking, how can we add value? Yeah. In the Facebook group, it's really peer-to-peer questions, polling questions. Um, you know, what are you guys doing for this? Or how long is your intro? That's a really great place. How to market your podcast. One of the fastest ways uh, is either you have a commercial on another podcaster where you trade, you know, uh, ad spots. Or you do an episode drop, meaning someone allows you to drop uh, almost a mini episode of your show in their feed, and maybe you do it vice versa, or you pay for ads to be on the players or Facebook or the different uh, Spotify ad programs to get mm-hmm. in front of the target listener to then listen to your show. Yeah, there's some great tips. One of those I never thought of. <laughs> I lo- And that's, again, like talking to people like you that are in podcast communities and the Facebook group, it's like you get all these different ideas that people are using and, you know, they're proven and they're successful. It's like, it's, it's a no brainer. Um, yeah. So what do you see changing in the next five years in regards to, you know, community building or growing the podcast? Well, a lot of money has come into the, the ecosystem and it's going to keep flooding in. However, that money is going to go to really adept creators that understand how to grow their audience. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the easiest ways to grow your audience, depending on how much time and bandwidth you have, is if you have a topic, uh, whatever that topic is, and you look at your episodes and you find two or three episodes that are double the downloads of all the other topics, mm-hmm. you could create another niche topic. And now with your two shows, you have a network. And then you could even create a third show. I know it sounds like a lot of work, but it isn't if you do it right. 
And then between the synergistic effects of those two or three shows under one umbrella, you could grow them uh, in a closed loop. And then you could really get some big advertisers to pay to be part of the network. So it's what I call the network effect. You're going to see a lot more of that pop up. Interesting. And those people will own the majority share of listeners as we grow into the future. So networks, uh, and I'm not talking about big media networks. Yes, they exist. But I'm talking about niche media networks that individuals can create that they're already sitting on. Uh, they're going to do really well in the future. Goodness, my mind is blown. It's crazy what you can do that it's like thinking outside the box and being creative. And as opposed to just, you know, staying in that one lane, it, um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years. <laughs> Spotify is growing. So we're seeing yes. that they're getting a, they're getting a lot of the ad revenue. So what's going to happen is their network's going to grow much quicker because they're paying creators where uh, the other uh, vehicles don't have that same, same thing. So they built a very similar YouTube model in some ways. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see Spotify grow very quickly because of that. And a lot of there's a pre audio gets a premium. However, not everybody can get to the threshold to get a piece of the pie. Yeah. So, so if you're niche, you could still make money, but you have to sell your own ad spots to other companies that want to have access to your niche. But it's all happening. Um, we are seeing, Lindsay, where let's say you have a small niche audience of a couple of thousand or five or 10,000 downloads a show. And maybe over the month, that's, I don't know, 10, 20,000, whatever it is. I don't, I don't care what it is. Uh, however many, you could literally find a network that's in the millions of downloads, join their network and get paid through their network. And then make, uh, they would get a cut, but you now are monetized through their network. So you can see a lot of that happening next couple of years. Hmm. Interesting. And of course, there is a lot more monetization within the podcast world lately and more opportunities are spawning but monetizing is a whole nother topic <laughs> yeah it's a whole nother topic it's it growing but growing the community and your audience is really what i think yeah. a content creator should be focused on because those Absolutely. are the people that support you and those are the people here's one really simple audio trick um or technique really more than a trick if you just had in your show somewhere um i just want to thank you for listening and the greatest compliment you could give me is taking another person's phone that you know could use this podcast and helping them download it so they could listen to an episode that you think would be ideal for them. If you do that kind of specific call to action, you'll actually see a 10% growth month over month in your podcast, just from something that specific. That specific. That's a really great tip. Um, Cause most people just have the go-to of go to my website or, you know, go to iTunes and send a review. So I like that being a little bit different and being way more specific. That's super helpful. So how do people join your Facebook group. And of course, I want you to tell me some more information about your next event because it's coming up. Um, it'll come up faster than everyone thinks. <laughs> yeah, things are moving fast lately. Um, yeah. So PodFest Expo, the next one is in May, May 26th through the 29th yeah. in Orlando. It'll be in person as well as virtual. So we'll have both components to it. So it's a hybrid. Um, podfestexpo.com is our website. If you opt in, you also get uh, access to the Podfest Messenger, which is an industry newsletter that goes out twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, as well as- I read everyone that comes in. Yeah, we're, we're doing uh, a really, we're doing our best to really define what's going on with independence and what people need to know about, you know, and job opportunities too within the yeah. industry. 
that's one. Uh, the other thing is the Facebook group. Just look up, uh, I think it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podfest. But look up podfest. There is one group that's like a French group. That's not us. Um, we're the podfest in English. But there are two groups. I just want to make sure. Find the yeah. podcast group. Apply. We'll add you to that group. Uh, as long as you're not, please don't spam. Obviously, like, and what that means is don't blast your episodes in there. It's a peer group for you to talk and seek information and advice yeah. from other podcasters from around the world. I know, and just uh, I've connected with people and DM'd off on the side, and yes. had people on my podcast in the past, and. Um, it's such a great way to connect with other people, find guests for your show or whatever, and just get help. I mean, I'm in the podcast industry and there's still some things that I don't know. And I've asked questions. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyone can ask anything. It's amazing. Super helpful. Yeah. We're listen, I'm excited about where podcasting is going. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of convergence. Part of our unique selling proposition is we also host another event called VidFest yes. at the same time. So depending on what ticket level you have access to YouTube information, live streaming information. Um, this is just a tip for you, Lindsay, and your audience. One of the niches you're going to see grow over the next couple of years, and most people aren't talking about it right now, uh, it's a uh, um, live stream selling or live selling, live stream selling or live. Yeah. Live stream selling, I think is the word, but same thing as HSN and QVC. Amazon is pioneering this where they have uh, people that are doing live streams and selling. And if you don't sell, you get a strike against your account in Amazon. So Amazon cares about one thing, selling product. So, um, but there's thousands of these creators now and they're literally what we knew of as HSN or QVC. Uh, direct TV selling. Yeah. It's now called live stream selling. You're going to see that niche grow um, bigger than anything you've ever seen from QVC and, and HSN. It's huge. It, it's mind blowing. It's hard to keep up, Chris. <laughs> it is, but that, that's what's up? going on. Well, what, luckily I talked to the, like I said, my ear is always to the ground. Yeah. From the community, so they will say to me, oh, you know all about this. I have no idea. And I'll say, listen, I know I know a lot of stuff. I don't know about live stream selling. Explain it to me. Yeah. And then I learned about it two weeks ago. So to me, this is an area of growth two years from now, yeah, yeah. but we're going to have the first track of live stream selling at PodFest for people to learn before mm -hmm. anyone knows what's going on. That is awesome. Yes. And this is why I'm always connected with PodFest because they always know what's going on and <laughs> what's coming up. You are so awesome, Chris. I really appreciate you coming and chatting with me and always good to see your face again. Thank you, Lindsay. I appreciate having me on your show. All right. See you guys. And that is a wrap for this episode of the Leverage Your Podcast Show. What is your next step? Head to leverageyourpodcastshow.com to listen to more episodes to get more insider secrets. And if you are now itching to take advantage of the power of podcasting and launch your own podcast, be sure to grab my free launch guide at launchyourpodcastguide.com. We'll see you soon.